0: You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric, Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen,
1: And I'm Jen Justice.
0: And we're excited today to share with you The first in our installment on the Home Buyer's Journey Educational Series, and today we're talking about the wonderfully exciting topic of home buying costs and mortgages.
1: The journey.
0: The journey. From
1: start to keys.
0: From start to keys. That's fantastic. By the way, I know this sounds like a horribly dry topic, but it's incredibly important, and and there's a lot of information that a lot of buyers, buyers that don't. Uh, buy and sell homes pretty regularly. Really need to either know or refamiliarize themselves with. And
1: the average now, according to NAR, is once every eight years. So it doesn't hurt anyone to brush up on the topic of the home buying journey. Because let's face it, it's their largest financial asset most of the time. So very important.
0: And uh, um, you know, there's a lot of um, information out there, and we can just kind of recap it about the, the, the value, the reasons you want to buy a home. Let's for the average American, it is the largest single wealth builder there is, mm-hmm. right? There are potential tax benefits, right? Uh, stability and housing costs, you name it. Uh, but what we really want to focus in today is, you know, c- can I actually afford a house, a new home, right? And how much does it cost? All right. So let's talk about that. Let's Let's nail the easy factor out of the way, the one that everybody thinks of, uh, which is, um, the cost of the mortgage itself. Right. And then we'll come back to some of the hidden stuff.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Money, budget, money, money, money.
0: So, so I know when you're, you're out on a a website, you know, or, you know, realtor.com or one of those other, um, copycats and you, uh, um, you're looking, and they'll give you an estimate of what your payment is. Now, what does that include? What is what does a house payment typically include for the average homeowner who's borrowed money to buy it?
1: The average person is going to look at, you know, getting a mortgage and then having their insurance and taxes in that payment with it. Uh, there could also be some mortgage insurance or some things like that, but generally, you know, that estimate is. Eh, you need to really get with your lender on that, but it's a good starting place I suppose to look at because you're right. All of them have those estimated mortgage calculators, right? But we really want to get serious about putting a pen to paper because let's face it, are there more costs?
0: Yes. All right. So, so we know a house payment, right? Typically would include all, all the things that uh, a lender requires, right? Your, your mortgage provider, is gonna require that you carry insurance. They're gonna require that you have enough money to pay the real estate taxes at the end of the year. So they add all of that on, divided by 12, or, you know. Ish. um, ish, right, divided by 12, so that your monthly payments have all of that money left over. That's what escrow is. They put it in a holding account so that those things can be paid. And typically, your mortgage company will take care of that for you. They'll pay your real estate taxes, And they'll pay your homeowner's insurance. Absolutely. Right. So you don't have to write checks.
1: So your monthly includes those items on a traditional basis. Right.
0: Excellent. So let's talk about some of the other costs, because I know sometimes when you're looking at this and you, you estimate that, or even if you get with your lender which is what you really should do to get, get a real number. And you go, oh, okay, this house payment is going to be whatever it is, you know, $1,450. I can do that. Heck, I'm paying that in rent right now. That's no big deal. Right. Okay. So let's talk about some of these uh, other costs uh, that that come with owning a home in right, general. Right,
1: right. So, you know, what do you think of when you want to go buy a home? Think of new furniture, right? I mean, we might need a new lawnmower. We got a bigger lawn. We might want some new blinds. We might want some new paint. The traditional things that people want to do to their homes when it becomes their home. So a lender isn't going to factor in these costs for anyone. And it's important because we don't want a buyer to regret their decision that we as their realtor and their trusted advisor, we go ahead and preface these costs because these are real costs that any buyer is likely going to incur and they may not think about or they may not anticipate so that's why I say put the pen to paper right sit down make your wish list you don't have to have every single one of those items right away but you want to be realistic about it and you want to make sure you talk about your budget with all the decision makers because what we don't want to do is have you know some kind of awkward thing happen later because we didn't have conversations that we could have up front and your realtor you know, Eric and I love to talk about this stuff with people. I mean, that's one of the first conversations we have are, what are your goals? What would you want to do to a home? I mean, some people want to fixer upper, right? So then you're really going to have to put the pen to paper for budget. But even if you don't want to fixer upper, right, even if you've got a great home that theoretically is move in ready, you're probably going to want to buy some new furniture or do something that's going to cost a little bit of money on that backside that you want to make sure you prepare for.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think you know one of the things I was thinking about it when you're talking is just thinking about you know the people I've worked with that uh, have, are coming from rentals, right? So uh, they rent and they're not renting homes; they're in apartments, and so some of those home maintenance costs they they don't understand. Like a mower is a perfect example, right? And you know, <laughs>
1: maybe they don't want to mow, but hey, maybe that's what you know. How many people take pride in their lawn? Like this is a real gig, right? I, I have several friends that that's one of the most important things to them is. My lawn must look like the green of the golf course. Right. Woo-hoo! Well, and, and
0: then, you know, there's a lot of people that are very into, um, you know, flowers and plants and gardening and, and, and all of that. So, all of that, as you know, it costs money and it may be not an expense you have when you're sitting. At a rental where you decided not to invest that, uh, or um, a uh, for certainly a, an apartment rental. Right. right. Probably so,
1: not going to have as many yeah. opportunities to plant flowers <laughs> right. or buy lawnmowers or that kind of thing. So you're exactly right.
0: Right. And, and I think furniture is another thing, and, and it is going to kind of draw into another topic. One of the reasons, particularly people who are upsizing, they, they typically need more furniture, right? Or I want, yes. I, right, need or want, right? But it could be that they're going to expand their family or... Yeah, you cribs know.
1: are a real cost, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, you I have an eight-year-old.
0: <laughs> All of those things. And uh, the other thing that comes with more space is a higher heating and cooling bill. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of factor in. Now, how how would a person... I'm I moving into a house and I'm real curious as to you know what my heating and cooling bill is going to cost. What... How would I find that out?
1: So in this area, we are very lucky that most of the utility providers will give you a 12-month average. They won't give you the monthly billing cycle, although a lot of times I do encourage my sellers to put together a list of, you know, their past utilities. If they can attach bills, some people even like to see those so they can see how the usage runs. And you can call uh, Evergy is one that's a big you know provider in this area of power spire is the gas provider and then the water company maybe a water district or the city but either way you can actually call those utilities and most often they are provided with a phone number on the seller's disclosure that they can provide the information for that call the provider look up average for 12 month utilities and they can start to develop a better budget for going forward
0: excellent so the the last sort of a hidden cost or cost that not everybody thinks about that, that I can kind of think, think of um, is, is home maintenance. Um, so again, coming from a rental situation or poten- potentially coming out of uh, a relative's home, maybe you're a first time buyer uh, in a situation where you're coming out of mom and dad's home uh, or, or, or whatever the scenario is um, maintaining a home. And these are things, not just uh, mowing the yard, Uh, But these are things like preparing for uh, long term expenses, uh, like a new roof Mm -hmm. um, and a new hot water heater and uh, these kinds of things. Um, uh, how How should people be approaching that when, you know, you say put pen to paper and we'll talk about that in a second. But but how do you approach that?
1: Like a home savings account, you mean? Sure. Something like that. You know, you could just set aside a monthly amount that you are preparing for improvements that you want to do. I don't think it necessarily has to even be maintenance because we all would love to have a new granite countertop, or I'm just using that for one example, right? So theoretically, you know, that's going to cost, I'm making up numbers, $1,500, right? So you need to put a little more than a hundred and some odd dollars aside a month so that you can save for that, set yourself up with a goal. Now let's put that same thing on a furnace or an air conditioner. We're going to be into the thousands of dollars. And that's something obviously we as realtors are going to help them check up front. Hey, you know, this is going to be sooner than later, or we need to renegotiate or whatever that situation is. Um, We can prep them for that future expense. You know, roof Hopefully, you know, you're going into the situation with a newer roof, but if you are having to save for that, again, we just look at that cost, divide it out, set a goal. You know, some people want an architectural roof instead of just a regular composition roof. that's a goal they have, it's a beautiful roof, right? So that's something they want to set on their goal list and they want to start to set aside that monthly amount to start a savings account for their home maintenance or home dreams as we might want to call them.
0: So we've got all these factors, right, that come into what a person might be um, beating, you know, the cost of, of home ownership and of buying a home. How, how do you recommend they actually kind of figure all this out?
1: Put the in the paper.
0: What? A budget?
1: A budget. Yes. You know, uh, if you Google nerd wallet, I think it is has a great budget just to run you through some typical stuff. Uh, Dave Ramsey has great budgets. He's got what used to be called the gazelle budget. I'm not sure what it's called anymore. I think he's advanced his practices. Uh, but Some larger
0: animal. Yeah, back, back when I did the Dave Ramsey No
1: Debt course, uh, I can't, nothing, I can't even remember what it was called when I did it 15 years ago now for No Debt. But, you know, Gazelle Budget or NerdWallet has a budget or just look up any budget I think, now. I think
0: Mint does too. So I know Mint, a lot of people use Mint because uh, it's a free service for balancing your checkbook. There you go. And so I believe they have a budget as well.
1: So, you know, just Getting started, honestly, is the first step here. Don't let this overwhelm you, but get started on thinking about a budget because being financially successful, being a successful homeowner is going to start with a little planning. Just don't get overwhelmed with it. Just get started.
0: Excellent advice. Uh, but if we're talking about uh, home, home costs, right? And mortgages, right? We'd be remiss if we didn't spend a fair amount of time talking about mortgages and lenders.
1: Absolutely.
0: And- uh um, before we get into the lender themselves, let, let's talk about a few terms that I think uh, people hear thrown around financial terms in terms around mortgages that, uh, um, it, I think it's a, a couple in particular are pretty critical that people understand. So the first one I'm going to ask about is, is the difference between a, an annual percentage rate, an APR and an interest rate.
1: All right. So when we're looking at the APR, we are comparing cost. So the overall cost, including the interest rate, including the lender fees, including any points that you may buy down your mortgage interest rate with. So we're looking at the total cost of this loan that you're going to get when we start talking about interest rate. And you're right. These two get confused a lot. Interest rate is the amount of interest, so say 3%, is going to be charged on your loan, not including any of those other costs. So those are two separate things. We don't want to get confused.
0: Which one is the the bottom line? Which is the one that when we're comparing apples to apples, we should use?
1: APR. We want to compare that APR. So, you know, A, starting at the beginning, you want to compare that lender to lender, cost to cost. You want to ask about that because I do think a lot of people will try and wow you with an interest rate. But let me just give you an example. For example, I'm going to charge you a point to give you a 2.8% interest rate. But this other lender is not going to charge you a point and give you a 3% interest rate. Those costs look very different for that total loan.
0: Right. So just to recap, APR is in fact a culmination of the cost of the loan, which includes the interest rate, various fees that a lender might add, uh, and any points, right. Which is the ability to pay cash up front to lower the interest rate. Absolutely. All right. Excellent. So APR is an important one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, another one. Um, debt to income ratio
1: dti baby
0: dti yeah
1: that's what the uh, we try hard not to use slang terms or um, acronyms as they're frequently called to our clients because if i say dti in some other industries this could mean something completely different but that is the debt to income ratio and that is what is your monthly gross income then taking into account your payments that are your outflow what is that ratio look like
0: All right. So let me ask some questions and and make some clarifications or at least reiterate some points. One of the things that you said that a lot of people don't think about is it's monthly gross income. So it's not your take-home pay, right? It's how much money you actually make before all the taxes and before the health insurance and whatever else is being pulled out of your checks before you see cash. So gross income is number one. The second thing to, to kind of focus in on is the outgoing money. So When a lender looks at debt to income ratio, we can talk about the kinds of things they are and are not looking at. For example, they are definitely looking at that car payment or that credit card payment, things that show up on a credit report, which we'll talk about in a second. But what they're not looking at is how much money you spend on groceries, or unless you happen to be putting it on a credit card, of course. And
1: it goes into the bank. And then, I mean, not into the bank, but into the accounting of the banking here. Right.
0: So, um, you know, how much you're paying that neighborhood kid to mow your lawn those kinds of things typically aren't. So
1: revolving payments is kind of what we're looking at. A car payment is a revolving payment that you owe once a month. Um, Your, you know, phone bill can be one, but those aren't typically on your credit report. So the lender may or may not see something. But any payment that is recorded on a credit report that shows up as a revolving payment, like say you just got engaged right before you um, are going to buy this house and you're going to get married, but you put this on your Hellsberg credit card, for example. Now your Helzberg credit card is going to have a reoccurring monthly payment, and that would be taken to account on this deal here so that's just an example but car payments another good one uh
0: you know Helzberg has like, credit cards
1: eh, no never <laughs> mind i'm <No, laughs> just kidding I, I, I don't know i <laughs> think they do i see helsberg on some people's statements so i do believe i think zales is another popular one uh, uh, but i don't want to go down that rabbit trail <laughs> well, i don't you... want to talk about Marodi's probably has one too my favorite <laughs> jewelry store
0: okay so uh, Here's an example. Uh, I, I make uh, I make sixty thousand dollars a year, which is five thousand dollars a month. And then I have twenty two hundred dollars a month, or let's just call it two thousand to make the math easy in recurring payments between you know my car and et cetera, et cetera. so So that's a debt to income ratio of about forty percent. Is that good or bad?
1: You're getting close to the line. We like to see, you know, a third, but most lenders will allow around that 40% mark, maybe even just a smidge more. But of course, the lower you can have that, the more comfortably you can live. And what we don't want is people to be overwhelmed in their house because it can, it can happen because you want to take a vacation, theoretically, every year, maybe Maybe you give that up for the first year or two, maybe, right? Or,
0: or paint a wall or put in granite, right? right? Those kinds absolutely. of things.
1: So you don't want to strap yourself. But typically the lender will around that 40% mark say it's okay. But the lower it is, the better it is for the consumer.
0: Excellent. So all of that, when we start talking about revolving debt, debt to income ratio, it sort of leads us into a discussion around credit and, and, and the, the dangerous, the, the ominous credit score. This this weird number that comes out yeah, of nowhere. Yeah, this
1: magical number that pops out of the sky. And sometimes you're like, how did that happen when you pay something off and it goes down, which doesn't make sense at all. But, <laughs> you know, things happen with credit. So we, our lenders try and do the best job they can with scores. And, you know, they have three scores, which we're going to talk about. But sometimes credit's unpredictable a little bit. It's one of those funny things.
0: So there are three primary sources for getting a credit score three companies that provide them do all lenders use all three scores all the time
1: they're gonna look at all three scores we're gonna see you know what's your high score what's your mid score and what's your low score and your mid score is kind of the one that really has to be you know theoretically 620 but do we hear of lenders having programs available in the fives we do You know, so it it, these programs that we're talking about, which are the different types of lending tools that are available for you to get a mortgage, they're ever changing. So this is where we always check back with the lender um, because sometimes people can get approved in the 500s credit scores, but 600 credit scores, 620 is kind of that, you know, ballpark, if you will, that you got to hit. And then the higher you are, the better you are. So 700s and up, 720s and up. Seven fifties and up, you get into a better interest rate because that to a lender shows less risk for their investment in you to repay them your mortgage.
0: Okay, so I've got a credit score, uh, let's say it's less than six twenty, and uh, I would like to bring it up, right? And but I'm also thinking about buying a house, and so I can't tell you I've heard this several times from uh, particularly a younger new home buyers. They they check their credit. They can do it on a variety of the finance software that we were just talking I about. I just heard
1: an advertisement for Discover, actually. They're sure. going to show you your FICO score, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I get mine off of my um, uh, check um, register software, um, you know, and I see it. I don't like it. And then they go, well, I'm not going to talk to a bank then about my mortgage until I can get my credit score better. Now, is that the right attitude?
1: Absolutely not. You want to get this relationship with your realtor and your lender going as soon as possible because this is someone you're going to share, you know, important data with and you're going to have a relationship with. This is going to be an important thing to get started on. So you want to talk to that person because not only can they, number one, dispute or or say that credit score is not what I'm seeing on my end. And ultimately what they see is going to rule the roost for getting your mortgage. So number one, in fact, that credit score that you may be seeing on that different software may not in fact be accurate to what the credit bureaus are actually reporting because I'm not sure how they're pulling all that data together. They're making an educated guess, but the lender is going to pull the official from those three different bureaus. And it's going to be, you know, paramount what that is. So you definitely want to get that relationship started with the lender. And not only that, then they can help you with bringing that score to where you really want it to get that
0: better interest rate. I think that's one of the keys, right? We hear a lot of people going, Oh, I got to get my credit score better, but they don't actually know the best steps to take. And these uh, mortgage lenders, the banks, the credit unions, the mortgage brokers, they all uh, understand the things that can typically make it better so they can look at what's going on and say, this is the problem you need to take care of first, or this is the problem you need to take care of second. That will be your partner in this journey. I think it's really important. Yeah. Now I, I, we're one last topic I want to cover, which is we've got this now. We, We understand vaguely debt to income ratio. We understand how our credit score plays in. And you mentioned it just a second ago, but the nature of loan programs themselves. Oh,
1: ever-changing, aren't they?
0: Right, so they're not all the same, and there's some that are pretty consistent out there in terms of their availability, but then the mortgage companies themselves can offer other programs as well. So let's talk about the ones that are out there that are consistent.
1: Yep, so we've got, of course, your government-backed loans, which account for about 65% of the market. So it is likely that someone would be utilizing a government-backed loan like FHA, VA or USDA, and then we have what are conventional loans, which are not government-backed loans and would be private industry loans, and there's a variety of uh, products offered within each of those.
0: Okay, so... Uh, Because I know people who've looked at mortgages have probably heard FHA. Federal
1: Housing Authority, by the way. I said I didn't want to use those acronyms. There you go. They
0: may not have heard of the VA or the uh, USDA programs.
1: VA, Veterans Administration, USDA.
0: uh, United States Department of Agriculture. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Right. So the USDA loans money on rural property. Yes. So if your property is considered rural, and you don't have to get very far outside of Kansas City to be in rural.
1: Not, no, it's a population thing, and they look at that every single year and announce kind of where they will be loaning money. So uh, lots of good programs that USDA can take advantage of, and you're right, we have areas right in our essentially backyard that qualify for USDA loans.
0: VA, Veterans Administration for mm-hmm. vets, the spouses of vets, there's probably some other things that VA, uh, other people that qualify for VA loans I'm not uh, that I don't know. I'm not sure, but I know those two do. Um and then FHA and FHA is just a general government backed loan and it's very popular with first time home buyers.
1: Because it only comes with a three and a half percent down payment tag. Whereas most conventional loans, although again, not all, because there's lots of programs out there, but a lot of conventional loans come with a 5% down payment. So that, you know, three and a half percent can really give the option to a lot of buyers that maybe a conventional loan can't. Um, FHA also tends to maybe not be as stringent on the credit score as some of the conventional programs do. So it just gives a lot of people opportunity. And that's what it was there for is, you know, the government it was there to try and help us out in putting people in homes because they know that... That housing creates wealth, wealth creates stability of our nation and on and on. It is, you know, paramount for our country. All
0: right. Well, we're, we're running out of time. So I got one quick last question, which is how do you choose your lender?
1: You talk to your realtor. Uh, so Eric and I both have been in this business for a little bit. Maybe I've been in it a few more years than Eric. <laughs> But we have developed relationships with amazing lenders that are tried and true, and we know we can trust them. I've actually had my relationship with my lender uh, for 20 years now. I was just telling the story just the other day to someone how we originally met on a home, and uh, we we prayed over a home together, and we've been friends ever since, really, and that's what happened. But she is tried and true. So, you know, talking to your trusted friends that are realtors, just asking questions, that's important as a buyer. What you need to know as a buyer is, ask the hard questions because you don't want to get in the middle of a transaction with an inexperienced realtor or an inexperienced uh, lender that can't get you through. Because again, as we said, this is likely your largest financial instrument and we take this very seriously and our lenders do too. Now there's lots of good lenders out there that maybe a year or two into the business. Just make sure they have a good mentor. Just like Eric and I, you know, we partner together as a team so that we make sure that our clients are taken care of on all facets.
0: Sure. And that's not to say that you you have to use a lender that your realtor uh, recommends.
1: Interview people. We encourage you even to interview other agents. If you would like to interview other agents, if it gives you more food for thought, we're doing you a service by helping educate you through this process because we can't stress the importance of this.
0: So a couple of important factors. One is somebody you trust because you are going to be sharing, you know, Personal, a lot of financial, financial data. Right, absolutely. I say like
1: blood type and I say <laughs> other things that we won't say here. But yeah, yeah, it's not really blood type, but that's the kind <laughs> the of gender
0: of your first We're going to yeah. talk about, you
1: know. Yeah, serious information here that you need to be comfortable sharing with someone. And
0: and, and then um it, you need to make sure that you've got somebody who's experienced uh, and this isn't necessarily from an individual but more of an institutional uh and and this was certainly something you can ask your realtor about is is you know are you aware of this lender uh, do they typically close on time uh or do they meet all of their requirements on a regular basis? So sometimes if you don't have somebody that you're already working with, um, or, uh, uh, and are ready to start interviewing potential lenders, certainly talk to your realtor and say, Hey, do you have anybody in this mix that I can, I yes, can check your out realtor, as well.
1: If you have a friend that's a lender or something like that, of course, we're open to meeting new people and improving our processes, right? So if you have someone that you want to bring to the conversation and you want to talk to us, we're more than happy to sit down all together to ask those questions, to figure out if this is a good fit, because what we want is a win-win. We want a smooth home buying journey and we want them to be happy at the end of this transaction so we work to make that happen
0: absolutely and everybody we are out of time so thanks for joining us in this first segment of our home buying journey from start to keys tune in next time when we'll be talking about how to find your dream home
1: yeah and let's make it a great day
0: until then you have been listening to get real kc Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice For more information or to contact our hosts visit us at dreamhomesbyjen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you